Hello and welcome to the Get Into Grips With podcast, where I, the host Tom Watson, aims to inspire humans to lead happier, healthier and better connected lives. At Project Get A Grip, we want every human being to continuously grow and prosper as they traverse through the ever-changing terrain of life and strive to build the best versions of themselves. By delving into the journeys and lives of others, these in-depth conversations seek to inspire you to question your beliefs, overcome fears and take positive action to better connect mentally, physically, emotionally and spiritually and ultimately live a purpose-driven life in which you can flourish and thrive. For episode 18, I was joined by Emily Dwyer. Emily is a competitive CrossFit athlete oozing with energy and has a real love for life and is committed to helping others. We chatted all things self-esteem, growth mindset and realising our full potential. Emily also bravely shared some of her past struggles and how she came to find her love for sports and fitness. There's loads of little life hacks and takeaways in here for you too to help you be a little bit better than yesterday. So let's get into it. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, we got introduced to one another um, through Rich and Tracy of Modflex uh, some time ago. Um, yeah. We've got loads to talk about. But one thing that I'm interested to learn straight off the bat is what is the woo in Emily Woo, the nickname? Can I, can I just address that? Because I'm not sure and I'd love to know if there's, because there's always, a, generally yeah. there's a usual cool story behind a, a nickname. I've got multiple. We probably won't get into that, but over to you. So thank you for having me, first of all. It has been a long time coming. Really, really excited we're finally doing it um the woo was actually given to me by my daddy so i um like and this is still going on now like i have really bad digestive issues always have done um and they started when i was a teeny tiny baby um and i had really bad colic at one point and um it was just continuous and my dad used to try and get me off to sleep you know how dads have those giant hands some of them yeah and they lay baby face down like this and so he would sing, Emily, Wemily, woo, what's the matter with you? And uh, I then became Emily Woo from, and <laughs> I only realized that, <laughs> yeah, I only realized it was actually a nickname and not a proper name. We were filling out some forms and I was about eight or nine years old. And my mum said, yeah, Emily Robin Dwyer. I was like, no, 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 that's not right. It's, yeah. name. it's not right. And this lady's looking at us. It's Emily Woo Dwyer. But they they, they just they just stick, don't they? They're they're funny things. That's quite a nice. That's quite a cute cute story. Um, I'll quickly share my one of my uh, embarrassing nicknames um, is Vinny, and Vinny or Vincent or Vincenzo, and it started from Vinny, and it's quite embarrassing because at uni I had a housemate called Paulie. He was Polish or like half Polish, and I used to call him Paulie D. Now, Paulie D was a character in Jersey Shore many, many moons ago, like the first reality sort of show. I don't know if you remember it. And there was another character called Vinny. And to kind of ca- to counteract the Paulie D, uh, he just started calling me Vinny. And it just stuck. So it's associated with Jersey Shore. It was really embarrassing. When I met my girlfriend, she, someone literally shouted across the street, Vinny. And obviously, my name's Tom. And she was like, why is that person calling you Vinny? But luckily, I've had this conversation with her before, so I guess that's a uh, that, that's luckily my... not. Don't know Geordie Shore anymore. 
So. No, no. Um, so that's my nickname story. So there's a lot going on in the world. Um, I noticed you've been doing some pretty, your, your setting's pretty cool. Like talk us through your setup. Like the training rig looks pretty decent. <laughs> like what's, like you, I'm jealous. I don't have a garden. I'm just doing like, I've done so many <laughs> running workouts and I've got a weighted vest, but yeah, like what's the, what's the current situation for you? So um, it's actually uh, been provided to me by uh, Modiflex, so Rich and Trace. Yeah, Rich and Trace. Um, They are such good people, such, such good human beings. Um, I just reached out to Rich and I went, how do you think I should go about rigging up a rig in my garden? Because obviously, you know, the gyms are going to get locked down next week. Uh, Well, this is before lockdown, like way, like a couple of weeks before. Um, What do you suggest I do? Just hope you know thinking he'd say right you need to buy one of these and this is what you need to fix it and do this and he went i'll give you one because he's that that's they're, the kind of they're lovely kids. people very generous people. so those they, that are listening go check out modiflex custom rigs for all your home gym supplies and more <laughs> and big gym supplies and, they, big they gym. Can... and gym fit outs yeah. yep um yeah. they're doing great some great great equipment um so since you've had this set up What's the kind of working and training week like for you? What's a typical week? Um, so with, we've been quite fortunate with the weather, obviously. Um, so in terms of consistency, I've managed to pretty much get all of my sessions in when they've been uh, prescribed. I've had to pull a few things around, maybe get up a bit earlier or instead of doing my lifting in the morning, doing the evening when it's dry, I do some conditioning when it's wet. Um, but I've really only missed, I think, two sessions in total and those are actually out of choice because I wasn't feeling good. So um, it's, you know, it's obviously, it's not waterproof. It gets wet when it rains and it gets covered in so much bird poop. It's unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> constant new bird poops around. Um, so, you know, we are open to the elements and when it's windy, trying to jump up to the rings can be a little bit of a challenge. But I feel pretty blessed to have been allowed to use this space. So this is the, like, what was the patio area of my poor suffering boyfriend's parents' uh, house because I, we were, we're living in the annex. Um, it was meant to be temporary. But we found our own place. Um, and of course, everything shut down. So our house hunt went, stop. And um, his parents were kind enough to say, yeah, you need to do what you need to do. We've seen what you do. They've come to see me compete. Um, how can we help? So really lucky. Yeah, it's nice to have a space like that. Um, I, they, they probably like want to go and like set a hammock up or something, but they open their back door and there's like a rig there. <laughs> it's like a big metal rig. <laughs> Sorry about the aesthetics. <laughs> it does ruin it somewhat, but so, it's a great video. I noticed that um, you said you've only missed a couple of sessions. What, how has this period really affected your competing goals? So obviously you're well ingrained in the, the competitive CrossFit scene. Did you have competitions cancelled? How has your training and prep changed? Is this time to take stock and deload? Like how are you, how are you coping with the competitive side of things? Um. I mean, yes, I had competitions cancelled. Um, I was due to compete at the Lowlands in the Netherlands and also at Asbury Park Games out in New Jersey. Um, that was actually meant to be last weekend, so would have been coming home now. Um, if I'm completely honest, I mean, we only show our best bets on Instagram, don't we? Fake a ground. 
it's um because people don't always want to see the the darker side of things but it's been it's been a ride like it's certainly been as my mindset coach would probably put it character building mm. um i've had more character building sessions than i've had sessions where you come out and go that was great i feel really good about this and i think i've probably cried my body weight and more in tears not just um, sweat but tears <laughs> yeah um you know things that things that are frustrating the things that you don't appreciate that just are just given to you when you're in a gym environment like you know i i managed to smash up the floor in the first couple of weeks so we had to sort out some kind of like ply levels and you know that's been that's been great for the last 10 weeks or so and now that's started to go so it's just like these constant things you're coming up against plus not being in a, a competitive environment has been quite hard. Like the gym I used to go to is a very competitive place. Um, not kind of like uh, the levels that I'm competing at, but people that have, they love to do like, like local comp scenes and stuff like that. And there, there's some really, really great um, uh, people down there mm. uh, for that. Um, so kind of, you know, I've always trained on my own, always, most of the time. I'd say maybe at least nine out of 10 sessions I'll train alone. So kind of that then going up to the 100%, although I'm used to it, it's still strange not having other people around to just go, oh, can you just watch what I'm doing or bounce off of or have the energy of and um, not really having a short-term goal in sight or well, having that taken away has been, has been quite tough. I'm fortunate that, you know, I, I do work with a mindset coach, Emma, who's phenomenal. And she really keeps me kind of trying to focus on the process of things and enjoying what I do on a day to day. Because obviously when you get to that goal, that competition, after that, you're like, well, what next? So yeah. this has been, very, been um, yeah, it's been a real period of growth and, and challenge. And, um, you know, I thought, thought three weeks in, I was struggling. And of course, how, what, we're 13 weeks in? So we're three and, months um, now. Mm. Yeah. This is, this week, I think, has probably been my toughest week, oddly enough. Mm. So, um, and plus the heat, man. That's, uh, that makes me grumpy. Yeah, it's been, um, I said it on a previous podcast of mine, this has kind of been like the health and wellness retreat we've all needed. Um, and it sounded like you've really coped well with it. What I'm really interested to find out more about is this mind, the mindset coach side of things. So obviously like men's health and mental health and mindsets becoming much more prominent and spoken about what stage did you feel it necessary to add this to your toolbox, um, a mindset coach and what sort of things, um, do you do? Like what sort of takeaways are there for people listening who may be thinking, well, what can I do for my mindset if I'm, in a competitive environment i'd like to know more about so, that so yeah um so i i've always been extremely resilient extremely kind of headstrong um stubborn about um my goals and what i want um like i've definitely been described as mentally tough um as well as physically tough hopefully um and determined and driven uh, but a lot of the time that's been to my detriment. I mean, we'll probably get onto it later about like about my history and things with uh, eating disorders and mental health there. Um, but I didn't realize just how much I was sabotaging my own journey and my own potential success through um, that 
that deep drive and that um, kind of inbuilt autopilots of like the verbal feedback to yourself, like the, the self-talk. Um, and I just, just put my head in, grind down and, you know, I was starting to, starting to kind of hit a bit of a, hit a, bit of a wall on it, an upper limit. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was, I was super fortunate that Emma reached out to me. She dropped me a message night before, um, or day before, European Champs, uh, year before last, the one that I won. Um, and I very much accredit some of the experiences I had in that competition the following day with the absolute light bulb moments that we had in our very first conversation. Um, she reached out to me and she said, look, I just want to talk to you. She didn't, she didn't want anything from me. She just went, I just want to help you. I can, see, I can see kind of what's going on here. And I really think that, you know, we could work together. And as it is now, I've been working with Emma since then. So over 18 months. And um, it's not, everyone thinks, I think mindset coaching is almost like a counseling session. And it's yeah. not, you don't sit and talk about your feelings. And she go, hmm, and nod on a chaise lounge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Emma will, <laughs> you know, the kind I yeah, mean, the I kind know. out of us. <laughs> I know, pass the shoes. Yeah, no, Emma will, um, she'll stop me in my tracks um, and she'll say, ah, can you hear that? And she'll make me think about what I've just said or I've just processed or something that's happened. And she'll help me reframe um, what's the dialogue that's going in my head. Um, I've been given through our sessions tools that I've managed to use in my relationship with my boyfriend, with my family, in my work life, um, as a coach, as a friend. I'm able to kind of separate these different roles in my life and give the right amount of attention to each one of those different times because who I am right now speaking to you um, about all my truths and my feelings is a very different person to when I put on my Metcons, sorry, or other CrossFit shoes are available. Um, and, <laughs> and I become the athlete. Um, and actually as the athlete, I can be a bit of an asshole really. Um, but I'd like to think that my character as Emily does have, um, is a cornerstone of my athlete character, if that makes sense. But Emma's helped me to also find a balance between being the athlete, taking that persona off, take all, we call it taking the cap off. Mm-hmm. Don't give out all of our industry secrets, you know. <laughs> um, and actually allowing myself to let go of my session. So I'll, what's been really helpful is I'll deload my sessions. So I don't know if you can hear that, but I've got some extremely amorous birds in the uh, the bush behind me. So I apologize for their fornication. Some nice, some nice sound bites <laughs> there, that's fine. Lots of flapping. Um, so I will deload each session. So I'll have to write down a list of things that went well, even if it's an absolutely howling session, everything that went well, write it down. Everything that didn't go so well, write it down. And what would I do differently next time if I did that session again? Yeah. So right. it allows me to do allows me to let go of it and just get on with the rest of everything I have to do because if we're constantly in that kind of like that sympathetic um, heightened state in our brain we we can't it's really hard to come down from it it's almost a bit sounds like similar to sort of journaling that um, I love the term like not just working out but also working in yeah okay self-reflection it's something that I do and I've spoken about before day and night journaling um gratitude and it's all it all kind of crosses 
um, that spectrum of, I've certainly learned over the years that <clears throat> you've got to do as much work inwards as you, has, as you have outwards. I just thought by like working out more, playing to the kind of rule book of just, well, a strong man is just someone that works out all the time. Um, yeah. Even this podcast has very much moved in different directions of, it was a fitness podcast and now I'm looking at emotional fitness, spiritual side of things uh, and mental. So kind of what it means to be, means to be human. So I, re I resonate with a lot of that, what you've said there. Um, yeah. so I'd love to know a little bit more about what um, got you into competitive CrossFit, competitive sport. I know from doing a little bit of uh, reading on you, the gymnastics and theatre background. So tell us a little bit about that and all that energy you've got within you, how you channel that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's funny. I'll have a conversation even now with my boyfriend. And so last night, for example, I sat there and I was just pulling loads of stuff. My laptop's getting really full for memory and I'm pulling stuff off onto my hard drive. And I came across a load of reels because I used to present on radio. Okay. And he went, cool. never told me he used to present on radio. I was like, I must have done. That was a huge part of my life. But when I look back on it, I have done so much and so many different things and so many of them have no correlation at all i feel so incredibly lucky to have done so many things i've got another bird sorry right up there just watching me now hopefully don't poo on you but that, oh, is no. that is good luck so oh, absolutely of course yeah um no so i i was dancing uh, pretty much before I could walk. Mum's always been in theatre, um, so it was just natural that my sister went into it. Um, and then I went into it. So I did my first professional production at the age of seven. Um, I was up and down to pro theatre schools all my life, dancing every night of the week. My social life was my theatre and I lived it, breathed it. It was my everything. It was always a given that I was going to go to drama school and I was going to be an actress and I was going to tour. And like, I never... I never had in my head that there would be any kind of obstacles in my way that would get in the way of that. If I wanted it badly enough, I could have it. Um, and I was so keen to like learn and grow and all those things. And then I got sick. Um, so I wasn't able to take my place at theatre school as we've always planned. Um, and I was institutionalized for a while. And then I was in and out of hospital for a while. Um, finally after a long journey of doing different things here and there I came back to acting but it's really hard to get seen by people if you don't have a really respectable agent it's just how it is um and I think I spent I was spending so long and this is funny I'll come back to this in a minute so so long trying to so much energy trying to live my dream that I wasn't living my life I found the rejection of auditions really hard and so this kind of real growth mindset that I'd had as a child then kind of almost flipped reversed. And I was starting to hit barriers because I'd never, I never failed at anything, but I was always successful in what I did as a kid. Like if I went to an audition, I got it. If I did a festival, I won. I wiped the floor with all the, um, the classes and stuff. And this not wanting to say that I was, I was great, but I was a good little actress. So then to go to theater school and suddenly be, you know, that was in a small town and a small community. So then to suddenly be this in this much, much bigger place where suddenly I'm this big because I'd never really had to face that failure. It was a big hit 
really big hit. Um, I had a relapse. So that was kind of mid twenties and I was training loads. Um, an unsavory event at the gym I was training at then led me to walk into my local CrossFit box, stepped in through the door. And I said to the guy behind the desk, lovely Ollie, um, I went, I've been told that I'm really going to love what you guys do here, but I don't actually know what it is. Like, can you show me what we do? And he went, yeah, awesome. Come through here. Next morning, I'm doing my very first um, hero workout. <laughs> and it was the one with, it opens with uh, grace. Then you do like a mile run. I think then it's loads of bur like rope climbs. Then it's a hundred or burpees and something. I think it's Glen or something like that. I should probably know. But I just remember, I just remember laying on the floor at the end of it, like this sweaty angel on the floor, just being like, "What the hell just happened?" And all these other people around me, and I never, I think, experienced that sense of just giving yourself to um, exactly what's happening in that that their moment. And because I was completely new, I was, I didn't have to prove anything to anyone. They didn't have me in this they didn't know know who i was they didn't know what i could do they didn't know my background i was the noob if i was rubbish then it didn't matter but it wasn't about that and um that was it i was hooked and they said oh we're gonna go for pancakes do you want to come and of course i went along and that was that was it for me so how was, long ago was that I th i think it was 2015 october 2015 was the year i know it was definitely october like the end of October, beginning of November. Um, and it was then in the January, um, obviously everyone was getting ready for the open. People started doing that. I did my first comp in the, in the February at the gym in the RX division. <laughs> there, were, there were certain things I just took to like handstand push-ups and stuff because they were so like dancey. Um, um, yeah. yeah. Like, so they, they just, you like the gymnastic side of things. Yeah, because it's so dance related. I mean, you're right. I did do gymnastics as a kid, but never. Um, I didn't do any of the like, um, like Olympic level style gymnastics. It was all floor work, um, almost like high school style gymnastics. Like you, you'd never have seen me out in a in a one armed leotard. Although I definitely wore those on the dance floor. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I um I did the open, and then I think it was in the the April. I said to one of the owners, I went, "How long do you think it would take me to qualify for regionals?" And he went, oh, I think if you, you put a load of hard work in, maybe like two and a half, three years. And I was like, okay. That was it. And the rest was history. Like, blinkers were on and that's what, that was. So you've come quite was... a long way um, and you've kind of found your best place to put all that energy into. Have you felt that that's been, this is the right outlet for you? Do you feel like it helps you cope with those struggles you had prior to it? How do you see it? Because um, I know that fitness can be as an addiction or um, as controlling as anything else can be. Um, I think it's something that the fitness industry neglects sometimes. They're kind of um, looking after yourself somewhere between all the competitions and all the, the, the training. How do you cope with that? I think especially in, um, in pro sport as well. So... I mean, obviously, I want this podcast to be as honest as possible. Um, I sometimes question whether my d 
desire and like I'm always challenging my beliefs and always like being a hang on a minute what if I think this because of this um so I overanalyze everything I love um you. yeah you've put on, uh, I actually um sorry to cut you short there but you um something that I noticed you put a post on the other day and you said you're choosing to base your self-esteem on the ability to be true to my core values continually challenge my beliefs and freely step outside my comfort zone yeah I loved yeah you have to challenge your own beliefs because how else do you grow like there's there's no change in staying stagnant change change only happens with an action so I sometimes wonder if my obsession and it is an obsession you know being a professional athlete you have to be obsessed because if you want to be the best you have to put every ounce of yourself into that sport um and I'm not naturally sporty like I'm dancey I'm flowy and floaty but I'm not I've I never did sports growing up at all um I sometimes wonder if I stepped out of theatre and the dance world where obviously I had a very unhealthy relationship with food and body image um I wonder if being an athlete is a really great excuse for me to continue obsessing over the way I look and what I put in my mouth. I hear you, yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's so tough because so much of what we do is, you know, it, you have to have the right fuel in you. And... So I'm, I'm struggling to get my, my words together here because my brain's going at a thousand miles an hour and my, <laughs> my thought process is going. Um, you, you have to be eating enough. But of course, I've led a life of restriction in, the, in that sense. Like, you know, I started restricting my food when I was about nine years old. That's my earliest memory of it. Um, and being hyper aware of what I was having. Um, you know, that's 20 years of um, restriction and thinking that I need to eat less. And even though I know the science is there, that eating less isn't the way for a professional athlete, I can see it right there. Like I can, I can help other people, I can advise them, I help my partner, I help my sister, my mom, my best friend, like all of them and I'll, all my clients previously for um, you know, what they should eat, when they should eat it and these things. But I still have to be told categorically, I must be eating this if I want to do my training I mean shout out to Tim at We Dominate Nutrition because he knows if he doesn't hear from me that I'm avoiding him deliberately because I'm struggling it's like a and this is me I've done it before coping mechanism of like avoidance like avoiding family and friends it can More be because it can be like a coping mechanism in itself yeah. um, and the thing is if I do speak to him and I say Tim what do I need to be eating there's that little voice in the back of my head that says you're only asking him that because you're greedy and you want to eat food. So I have to turn around to it and be like, no, my body is my weapon. It's my vehicle of like, it's my vehicle. It's my weapon of choice. I need to fuel it well. Like, but then the voice is so loud and I've had her there, Anna, for, you know, 20 odd years saying these things to me that the moment I think about reaching out to him saying, help, I'm struggling to make sure I eat enough. I'm, I can feel myself restricting. She goes, don't you dare and pulls me back. So I've got this constant tug of war on my head with, my body is my vehicle, it's my weapon of choice, I choose to fuel it well, which is the mantra I repeat to myself in the mirror 10 times every morning in a cold shower. Um, and this, this little, this voice, it's always been there. So it's, I do worry that 
that is it's always going to be the thing that maybe holds me back from um realizing my true potential because i still have a tendency to prioritize food restriction over fuel for performance and And, mm, it's almost like this constant contradiction isn't it it's like you've got to eat to do what you love and your sport but then you've kind of got to manage sort of maybe old behaviors and approaches um and somewhere in between there like i picked up what you said about being a people pleaser and always you know everyone else is nailing it and you make sure everyone else is happy but it goes back to that self-esteem thing, doesn't mm. it? And, and looking after yourself. And have you learned anything over this journey that really helps you slow down and give back to yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, taking time away from training and time away from the gym, which again, being in lockdown has been so hard because home is the gym <laughs> whereas normally the gym is the gym and home is home but this is home is the gym and gym is home and home is work yeah. um so you know making sure that i take time to go and see my boyfriend's parents chickens and they've got sheep and donkeys so i go and spend some time with the animals um have you read Johan hari's lost connections i have phenomenal but life-changing right yeah, recommend that to anybody who maybe not even people who feel a, a disconnection to something but anybody who anyone who can breathe basically should read this book yeah. anybody who is alive should read this book i feel um you know it's changed my sister's life i think it's changed my life but you know knowing those things that we need to have as a human being to keep us functioning and mentally sound it's really um it's really made me sit up and go wow okay so you're yeah, taking time away from the gym, I think, and also giving myself a day off from counting my macros. I find that on a Sunday, um, obviously it's a, it's a rest day, my macros are lower. So I'm immediately, I wake up and I've got that thought in my head. I'm like, oh my God, I can't have porridge for breakfast because you know what if later we decide we want to have a roast dinner and then I haven't got enough carbs left and if we put coconut oil on the potatoes and I've had coconut yogurt on my porridge, maybe I won't be able to. And so I'm already thinking ahead and worrying instead of going, anything goes take it easy eat a salad you'll be fine um having a day off from counting my macros has been um a blessing actually it gives me that time to just put my fitness pal away again other macro counters are available Uh, (laughs) yeah no endorsements here sorry guys no 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 yeah i'm not linked with um i actually for my own mental health i turned down working with um a, a very popular crossfit macro trapper uh, tracker and diet planner because of um my fear of it instigating relapse or bad mental behaviors so and you know the money was good so but, but what's it worth money put, my health you've got to put yourself first and do you have a good support network around you that can, you know, identify when you may be not yourself or there may be a relapse? Have you got that kind of, those people around you that matter the most? People will always call me out on it. I'm, I'm learning that I have to kind of hold my own hand on this a lot because always relying on somebody else to call me out and be like, oh, where may you be eating today? I then become reliant on that. Um, I mean, uh, my partner, he's such a nurturer. He will always worry that I've eaten enough constantly. Um, and I'm, I'm 
so grateful that he's always there for me doing that but I also have to say you know you know I am an adult and I am you know I have to own this otherwise I'm never going to grow from it because you know one day if he's not there who am I then going to lean on um but sometimes you do need people to intervene and sometimes you're so deep in a like a feedback loop of thought and self-talk and thought and self-talk and looking for uh, a backup in your memory of those thoughts and talk that's coming in. Um, I don't know if you know, you, you probably know so much about mind processing as well. Um, but you know, I'm constantly looking for evidential feedback on the thoughts that are coming into my head about eating and body image and food. And um, there's, there, there's a lot of backup there. There's a lot of evidence that my brain can pull on. So sometimes I just need somebody to be like, come on, you're yeah. not that person anymore. So, and, and Emma again has been phenomenal for that. It sounds like you've so. got a great uh, support network around you and you're, and you know, going back to kind of the brands and stuff, you've got some people you're working with that, are, you know, some, some great companies like MyProtein and um, oh, yeah. yeah, I've seen a few at Compex. Like how, how do those guys support you through this? Are they, I'm very mindful that, the bigger these corporations go, do they always have your best interests at heart? How do you manage your relationships with these kind of partnerships? So, I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I very much developed the, um, the protocol of don't work with assholes. Um, <laughs> I have been working, I mean, I've been with virus now for, we've just renewed my contract for a third year running I think it is now um and they're a cracking team they're built on integrity um but I mean I love who they are on the brand what they do but as people they're really cool like they really look after you when you go places um like you know feed you make sure you stay well I mean that's what most sponsors do I know but um you know they do reach out and see how I am what's going on they've been great during lockdown um my protein are such a great crew I mean that was getting involved with them was um one of the best decisions I made I mean they're just yeah really great people the guy that looks after their us there the athlete manager he's he'll you know drop me a text how you going you know he'll say I'm sending you out this blah 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 business 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 but then he'll go how are you how are things what you doing this weekend have you had some time to chill so it it's not just a trans- friend- it's not transactional. It, you know, there's there is human beings in there somewhere in the mix. Yeah. Oh, completely, completely. Um, I think for some companies it is very much like just business as business. And you actually, when it comes down, down to- do you turn down a lot of sort of brands that approach you and sort of start um, up saying, "Can you endorse this?" Do you get that a lot as your sort of following grows, or you know, your what you stand for, and your values get um, you know portrayed out into the world? Do you have to sift through the rubbish sometimes? Um, I don't get that much contact, I think, compared to what people think um, you know, think, think I do. Um, but I have a, a golden rule that I will never endorse something that I have not tried and used for a minimum of one month. That's why the My Protein contract takes so long to come around because I was just like, I need to know that these products are good for me. I need to know that they work for my body. Like I can't just put anything in here. I need to know it's the right thing. I've struggled with my digestion all my life. If this upsets me, I can't say it's great, you know? But, um, you know, you do get contact from small companies. And of course, you know, I can't be working with conflicts, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. on that side of it, it's quite easy. Thanks very much. I've already got a nutrition sponsor, but thank you so much for reaching out. 
you know, so, some stuff comes in and you just go, oh, that's not really me. Thanks, but no thanks. But it's, um, it's always it's always really nice that people do reach out to you. I all, I don't think I'll ever, ever get bored or have enough of making, like when somebody does reach out and they think that you are, I mean, this is very much an external validation thing, which is, is terrible, but I do seek external validation. I am a people pleaser. So when somebody reaches out and says, we think you're all right, can you promote our stuff for us? It goes, oh, that's really nice. And that's yeah. so human, like to feel yeah. that. The fact that people, you know, in this day and age, everyone wants to like dissolve the ego completely. But I think it's healthy to some degree for survival and for progression. Um, ego is what alive, ultimately. That's how we've managed to become such a dominant species. We wouldn't be conscious beings without it. So I think it's a, it has its place. Mm, for sure. For sure. It's just making sure you're you're measured with that, and that's not the only thing you. So, for example, when a contract comes to an end, if you place your value in your, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, success or level as an athlete in who your sponsors are, not in the work that you put in. If you lose one of those, which it's been COVID, I know so many people who have lost contracts purely because the business has no money, not because of who they are. Mm. So, a contract comes to an end, or they've prime like um prematurely terminated it you know it's if you've placed your your happiness and validation in that kind of that contract that idea when it goes and suddenly you've got this massive gaping hole and you're like what do i fill this with the danger would be to fill it with a replacement <laughs> yeah if you've done the work on yourself and like things will come and go business will come and go opportunities but if you've done enough work on yourself you can adjust the sales to suit um, and adapt to what's happening. And what I picked up on actually yeah. is part of, um, I think it's there like value. We spoke a bit, a little bit about core values and in the post and what my protein preaches this idea of more potential. So how do we reach our full potential? And is that possible? It's hard, it's hard to know if you will ever reach your full potential because just by saying I've reached my potential, you've put a cap on it, haven't you? By knowing what that potential is. Um, and I think potential is definitely, it's, it's a sliding scale, it's a never-ending thing, it's an infinity almost. Um, yeah, so, so, to put, so to put potential on there, for me, to say I've reached my potential would be to say that that's it, I've reached my potential, not going any further, that will do. But to have more potential and more and more. And that's why I always use the phrase endless potential. I like that. Um, that growth mindset yeah. type side of things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it is endless. And, you know, it's constantly evolving. And the next day, listen, if you fail, you fail forward. Yeah. That kind of idea, if that makes sense. It does. I love it. And the other two are more progress and more performance i guess with those it's like and us human beings can we fall into the trap of just striving for more and needing more are we enough as we are mm. everybody is enough as they are entirely but of course they have expectations of themselves and expectations of what other people expect of them 
So, and especially if you're very driven and you have very high standards, it's very hard to know you are enough as you are plain and simple without anything extra going on there. Um, the idea I think of more growth is just the allowing yourself that growth, the, like allowing more growth. Um, and you know, it's subjective, I suppose, but I know the, um, the more, more progress was the other one, wasn't it? Yeah. More progress. I mean, <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you measure those things? I guess one percent progress is emotional, mental, physical. There's all those different categories it falls into, but also progress can literally just be not obsessing over those things. Sometimes it's how we feel. I think particularly with the world of CrossFit and if you're counting macros, there's always some sort of data, isn't there? And, and there's input and feedback. It's quite binary. But yes. I've been exploring and I've fallen into that trap before. I've done cuts and all that kind of stuff when I was at uni. And for me, like the, the growth mindset and more of something is something bigger than yourself. And it, it touches it in um, lost connections with something bigger than you, like community. And I've been toying with this idea of spirituality and what that actually means. And if I say the word spirituality to you, what does that mean to you right now at this stage in your life? Um, so spirituality to me, um, do you mean like what does spirit actually mean to me? Like the world or the, the, the whole entity of it? The whole entity. Let's go for that. <laughs> wow. Big question. Um, so I have been dabbling in kind of newer practices to do with, uh, spirituality, uh, spirituality, can't find words. Can you put my teeth in for me, please? Spirituality, oh. <laughs> my list, my list of coming up um, over the last. Uh, blame last me on the internet months, connection. So. It's fine. Just blame me on the Wi-Fi. We won't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah Wi-Fi is terrible out here. <laughs> so bad. Um, um, so for me, it would be the self that is one hundred percent myself, unapologetically me as my spirit. So not my my physical being um or anything around me. It's my connection to uh my thoughts, feelings, emotions and how that relates to almost like energies around me as well. This is starting to sound really a little bit No no um this is good. Because I I've also I have grown up I I didn't grow up in a so obviously, you know, religion comes into this a little bit as well, because, you know, there's a lot of like crossovers between religion and spirituality. Um, I didn't grow up in a religious household per se. Grandmother was. Um, auntie side of the family um, are all um, really dedicated members of their church. Um, and I found the church myself when I was, gosh, I think maybe I was 11. And I decided I wanted to be confirmed. I wanted to confirm a faith. Um, drifted away from it, come back to it. And I found more of a connection in there being something bigger than just what is here. We can see and touch and feel and smell in here. There's, some, there's something bigger. There's a bigger power. There's a connection to everything around us, like the stars, the moon, the sun, the planets, the earth, the ocean. You know, and if you think about it, you know, we've all, everything started as the very, the same, like a little amoeba. Like amoeba, didn't it? The funny so, one. And that, 
Amoeba, Amoeba. There's a story there as well. I'll have, um, meme, and I'll have to meme that. that. Be careful, I'll have to meme, meme that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, everything was born out of stardust, you know, the earth, the earth was born out of stardust. And so, um, or, you know, or created out of stardust, however, however you want to see it. So I've started to feel as this God like character, whatever we want to call him being actually far more than, you know, he's not a man sitting on a cloud in the sky. Like that's not how I see it. And, you know, the Bible is a beautiful story, but I don't believe at some elements of it, you know, match up. So all that aside, I very much have a faith in there being a greater power, a greater energy that we can't see or hear or feel, but that we can connect ourselves to when we try to focus on those energies. So I've been joining in with some incredible um, <laughs> Zoom uh, guided meditation sessions with a gorgeous soul called Jess. Um, I'll send all the links to all these lovely people. Yeah, I'll put I speak those in to. the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, she's really been helping me kind of um, understand my connection with the earth and my, my inner self and um, kind of how my, my mind is not in control of me, but I'm in control of my mind. And this, again, Emma's helped me with all of these things as well. And it's helped me to, as well in my movement, with a lot of my gymnastics, become more connected with the flow of my movement. I still really struggle with a lot of the a lot of weightlifting stuff like that barbell and I are not friends most of the time. I just feel quite clunky with it. But with a lot of my movement, I've started to pull kind of the, the sensations I feel when I, I'm in like a meditative state or a meditative process, uh, however, whatever you want to call it, into certain parts of my um, conditioning and Metcom and gymnastic work and starting to really feel everything around my body. So um, I had this love, and again, we're probably getting a little bit like this um, while we're talking about we're, this. We're all good. It's be beautifully articulated so far. <laughs> um, I, I, um, I'm really obsessed with bees and the whole adage of train like a racehorse, think like a bumblebee, or think like a bumblebee, train like a racehorse. Um, and there's loads of bees around here. So they have a great symbolism for me. So whenever I am I'm struggling with something, it's really bizarre I'm working out in the outdoors when I see a bee it almost like flicks a switch in my head and I'm like of course I think like a bumblebee like a bumblebee doesn't worry if it can get off the ground or not with this bigger fat wobbly yellow and black fuzz butt uh, it just takes off it just goes but I had a real spiritual moment where <laughs> this sounds mental I guess this sounds like Emily Dyer's mental um I was really we're open book here we're yeah. open book policy anything goes <laughs> um I was really struggling with my ring muscle ups and um, this little white feather, a pigeon flew overhead, a little white feather floated down and then the wind picked up and instantly in my head, bear with me, I see my grandmother's face and my grandmother went through so much oppression as a young woman, um, so much heartache and punishment from people in her life. Um, and up until she was much older as well, like people were always knocking her down and she was such a stoic woman. She never let it show. Even till like five or six days before she died, she was still putting her makeup on because she wanted to keep face. Mm. I'm not saying that's, that's a good thing to do, like to hold that in, but she was, she's such a massive inspiration to me and in who she was. I dream about her all the time. And I just instantly pictured her imagining like the wind was her spirit, like lifting me up. And I did the best freaking set of ring muscle ups you've ever seen. So like either I'm completely mental and have an imagination that is enviable by any author or 
maybe I'm really connected to my inner self. I don't know. You be the judge. I would say the latter. <laughs> that was lovely. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I think it's if more different. people um, <laughs> at least start to connect some different dots and ask different questions, they may have similar or different experiences. But um, I think we talk about that stuff, aren't we? A fear yeah. of people going, oh my God, you're so mental, yeah. so weird. Um, yeah. And it's hard, like, for, for a guy, I'm trying to break through those barriers to kind of uh, show, particularly the male community, there is strength in vulnerability. Um, mm. A takeaway for you, and I kind of promote it to everyone I come in contact with when I talk about this subject, and I'll put it in the show notes, is a book um, called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And it, okay. and it very much um, is along the lines of everything that you touched upon, which is why I was smiling and nodding. And um, I think you'd get a lot of benefit from it. So um, I will put that in the show notes for anyone else that is interested in that side oh, of things. Like it's really good. Yeah. It's really, really nice. Um, so going back to the CrossFit world, bringing it away from the, from the stars. Have a... Oh, what have we got there? Oh, it was, it's just flown up onto the roof. But he just landed on the pull up. Sorry, he landed on the pull up rig. What he, she. There's a high chance I'm going to get pooped on. Oh, oh, the birds are on the rig. Yeah, I don't know if you can see them. So. We may have some live bloopers, a blooper reel here. Right over my head as live we are right bloopers. now. They like to. They like to court each other along these beams, so I don't want to ruin their fun. Well, you're wearing white, so it shouldn't, uh, we, we <laughs> hopefully won't pick up on it. We are via Zoom here, so um, <laughs> we are not live in some sense of the words. Sorry, Tom, I completely cut you off, please. No, it's fine, it's fine. This is it, it's, it's, it's raw, it's uncut. This is, this is what it's all about. It's unedited, uninterrupted. Um, I, I kind of wanted to jump back to the CrossFit side of things because I know that there's a lot of change going on. It's kind of this, um, it's kind of birthed out very much closely linked to the Black Lives Matter movement and the comments from the former CEO, Mr. Glassman. And um, I just wanted to see what your kind of views were on it and just the direction and what seems to be the positive direction of the sport, considering there's now a new CEO announced. And yeah, just let us know um, how, you, how you feel about the, this new direction and what may change for you and your, your sport and your future. So I'm just going to move slightly out from where he was because one of them did just do a dump and it made a splat over the far side. And I do not want that to happen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're back so, we're live this is live this is a proof we're not pre-recorded here <laughs> oh my god please keep it in there um so i i was not ignorant but ignorant to the uh the extreme level of issues still surrounding race um, blissfully ignorant, I think, because I've, I've always struggled to understand racism um, in the sense of I haven't, because, because I live a totally, totally privileged white life, I've never had to face any form of 
persecution because of the color of my skin or where I come from. So for me, I've never been, I've never kind of woken up to the problems that people still face in this, this day and age. Um, and how severe some of those things are really. Um, so when the, everything started kicking off with, um, after the murder of George Floyd, I immediately started to read. Um, I always want to know more about um, things that are happening, things that are going on. I thought I can't, I can't sit here and form opinions if, unless I give myself as much knowledge as I can. And the more I read, the more I was horrified and wanted to do something. So immediately for me, it was like, well, of course I want to support this. Like, like hell, I'm, first of all, like, I, I just, if, I think if we are in a position of privilege, like we are obliged to help others. If there's somebody who is less fortunate than ourselves, then damn right, I want to help them. Like I'll do what I can because I'm able to. Like, why would you not want to help somebody? I'm, I realize I'm digressing here. I apologize sincerely. But why would you not want to make somebody else's life better? If your life is great and they're not, and you have the opportunity to do something, the smallest thing, anything, to try and make that person's situation better, why would you not want to do that? I just don't, I can't get my head around um, that, that idea. Um, so I, I got quite involved with the Black Lives Matter thing. I, I did protest. It was a lovely, peaceful protest. You know, they were, we weren't marching, everyone was distant, if anyone's got concerns with that. Um, and then of course, Greg makes this tweet and everything goes mad. Um, and I looking at the tweet and I, I, again, I've discussed this with a lot of people. How did you read it? It was quite, it was kind of foolish, almost like bantery type. I can't, I just couldn't work out the angle. Yeah. In my opinion, and this is my opinion, this is not me saying how other people should read it or how it's not my place to say what somebody should and shouldn't find racist. That is not yeah, my place absolutely. to say. Um, but I didn't see it as a racist um, action. Insensitive? Yeah, massively insensitive. Inappropriate, uncalled for. Um, especially for somebody in such a position and on such a public platform. I mean, I don't agree with people saying anything bad behind closed doors or open doors. I'd much rather somebody said something to my face behind my back. At least then I've got the, the opportunity to, you know, correct them yeah. or challenge it. Um, but I didn't personally read it as racist, you know, and again, I've had this conversation with people where he's a, a middle-aged white man, upper, you know, middle-class, speaking to another one, Bill Gates, on issues that affect his business. He's always been known to say inflammatory things that make people go, oh, you know, you constantly, if you click and read all of his tweets to people, like the things he says to people like Coca-Cola, you know, and people have always, they've always been quite funny. And like people have said, never stop tweeting, Greg. You, you know, it's so funny how you tackle these companies. And, you know, this is the one occasion, actually, they sort of said, no, Greg, give me your phone. You've had too much Kool-Aid. It was a dig at like the World Health Organization, wasn't it? It was like a yeah. response. Yeah. yeah. He was, he's angry at their response to uh, COVID and not focusing enough of the, the, um, the benefits of health and fitness into preventing um, diseases. 
um, and coming from coming from a bit, I don't know if it was. I mean, you know, it's it's his tweet. I, you can hypothesize about what he intended by it. I don't think he intended it to be taken the way it was. I think he just wanted the World Health Organization to have a similar reaction to COVID nineteen and focus on the things that could be could have been done as preventative measures for a lot of people who have um, contracted the virus or caught it. But of course that then comes into a whole other thing that actually, with obviously there being, this this is such a big topic to get into of course, isn't it? Like mm. the amount of systemic racism um, in our countries and you know, people can argue that there isn't systemic racism there is, I just look into it. Um, you know, BAME uh, minority groups, um, more often than not aren't as affluent as white households therefore crossfit's really really expensive is that accessible to those communities and is actually that something that crossfit needed to look at a long time ago as um a string of diversity not just having different colored faces in the gym it's not just it's not just about having those faces to create that that diversity is actually giving people access to it. Inclusive. It's the problem. But all, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is it's, what it's the foundation's built on anyway, which is what they, they market it all on anyway, is community. Exactly. So. They say it's for it's for everyone, but not no, for anyone, but not for everyone. And I think that's that's uh, I can't remember I can't remember who said that or but that um seems to ring very, very true. It's not because there are racist ideologies inside CrossFit gyms and affiliates. And of course you get CrossFit above the, the name of the gym. And actually it's not like Subway where you know that you can go in there and you can get a, a really good sandwich. It says CrossFit and actually what's inside can either be really, really great. You know, we're talking like CrossFit New England, uh, Invictus, places like that. Or it could be really, really you know, a couple of people who, who did their level one don't really have much interest in it and don't try to grow their mindset at all on CrossFit. You know, I'm not going to call gyms out. That's not. But um, those places aren't necessarily inherently racist within those four walls, that, that box. But I think the model of CrossFit lends itself to uh, being victim of systemic racist. What's the word I'm looking for? Um like assist systems in the um in 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 the, in the world we live in but just purely because these groups normally have issues with being able to afford such luxuries as crossfit i'm, I'm really struggling to get my words out right there because my brain's just going a million miles an hour trying to remember no, it's how a passionate, we it's a, passionate, it's a passionate topic <laughs> for you and and all of us do you, do you see like now they're making seems to be positive changes how do you see the direction of it going? Not just on the competitive side, but just the the whole um, ethos and direction of it. Um, so obviously the new guy they brought in, um, he, he seems to have a lot to say on it in terms of wanting to change for the better. Um, you know, the, Everyone's saying, you know, Greg's one man, he can't take CrossFit away from us. But yeah, he did He did create it and it is his baby. And everything that we have now, even this conversation we're having, probably would never have come about if he hadn't invented CrossFit. We have so much to be thankful for the guy, to the guy, you know, for. You know, and then 
but at the same time it's do you condemn one person and everything they've created because of some of their actions and you know as it's turned out it's not just been this one inflammatory tweet and this this email it's been like a string of things going on it's been being progressively progressively worse it's actually been quite apparent in the core of crossfit and hq um you know i think the brand can be pulled around i think it's going to take a long time there's a lot of big brands out there who have who've gone through equally um destructive uh times difficulties um and you know they, they've come out all right and it's you know it's the people who are affiliated to the brand that i think are going to be the ones to do to, to to have to do the hard work on that because we're the ones that have the connection with the with the public with the with the person you know the brand itself you know they put a new ceo at the top he'll put things on his end but actually it's our close contact that's going to be the toughest and it's already hard enough when people say oh you're a professional athlete what do you do oh do you crossfit oh what's crossfit <sighs> and then it begins how long but now got- it's going to be, oh crossfit is your <laughs> ceo really racist yeah exactly how long have you got where do i start yeah <laughs> so now you say the word crossfit i think it's going to take a long time for that to um to to change but it's a lot of people reacted very, very quickly, I think, to the situation. Really? Um, went really, zero to 100 real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think when he made his comment, I, I was really cross um, about that. And I didn't believe the apology that came out from them. That wasn't enough for me. But I wanted to take some time to think about if working alongside CrossFit matched and aligned with my core values. Um, And, you know, two weeks on from that situation, I know that things take time to change in business. It's never an overnight fix. And people, you know, Castro stepping in, it was never going to be permanent, but I mean, it was probably a a worst case scenario for me. I mean, um, he's, you know, I've listened to loads of podcasts with him the one with julie fouché who's phenomenal on but um you know he's an extraordinary man extremely intelligent brave man but he has some values that really you know do not align with mine (laughs) so you know it's having him at the helm of a company that i really feel saved my life at one point um it did it really really aggravated me and it made me have a lot of turmoil and a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty and it made me send a text to Emma being like I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to do this I don't want to be involved anymore and of course then in swoops Eric so you know the goalposts have moved again and I didn't want to just throw the baby out of the bathwater people um, reacted too quickly to the kind of I'm out movement and the de-affiliation do you do you think um yeah there could have been a bit of a breather despite you know that's not yeah. condoning what was said at all but will they come back now to affiliate again because there's new leadership what mm. happens now I've, for these say, I've had a lot of people say um you know okay i'm gonna grab my water you know i'm cool i'm reaffiliating, and it you know okay for them, Greg being at the on the throne, shall we say, was the, the biggest issue for them. Um, but I feel like a lot of people were very reactive in the situation and not so much responsive. Um, but also, that action was almost 
fear driven I think I think it was externally driven not internally and a lot of people have been quite quiet in the situation and taken a lot of flack as a result um there's been a lot of really nasty things said about people who have kept quiet to consider their thoughts and just because they've been quiet on social doesn't mean they've been quiet behind the scenes and doing things like there's been a lot of people out there who have been doing a lot of work in the community and behind the scenes to try and make long-term change like this Emma put it perfectly this situation that's occurred it hasn't been it's not a five-minute AMRAP it's a freaking chipper like this is going to be long and long-term change doesn't happen overnight like that we can't just all affiliate and suddenly everything changes that's not how it works I see it as because we've got so used to in ways that this society of everything's so quick and oh, we get like that. it's like we want to take away you go on delivery you want a date you go on tinder you want a new job you go on a cv thing you know you go to recruit like everything's just now 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 yeah. when something like this and i'm learning to implement in my life is like change takes time and it's usually a period of painful process mm-hmm. um and we've got to learn not always to be so reactive to things not just in yeah. but in life um because it does take time. Lasting change takes time. And I think we need to just have slow down slightly and, and just be like, you know, we can't have everything tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people were very reactive on this for fear of being called racist, which is very sad that you can't, I mean, to be, to be silent on issues of racism is to, you know, essentially um ally with the the oppressor in my opinion but when it comes to making such massive decisions um driven by external factors not internal feelings and emotions that you have oh sorry mr fly um i fear that you know we've 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 just we've been in a lockdown for however long people haven't been able to use their gyms they've got this facility sat there full of all this equipment and an affiliation to a company who the whole through time through COVID haven't said a thing. They haven't been there, you know. Um, Alicia outlined it so eloquently and, you know, frankly in her letter. And of course, three, you know, £3,000 is, you know, it's not a massive affiliation fee compared to most affiliations you have, but it's still three grand. And when you haven't had any members coming through your door for however long, that's a lot of money to find for a, an affiliation to a company that you don't feel has had your back who you've absolutely given your whole life to um, with your gym. So to then find that, you know, it's already hard. They're struggling. They're thinking, are we going to afford this? Of course, maybe considering unaffiliating anyway. And of course, then this happens. We're unaffiliating. My question to a lot of these gyms would be, okay, right, you're unaffiliating because of the, the comment, because you think that's racially driven comment. Okay, give that £3,000 to a Bain charity then. And prove to me that's why hold your morals hold your core values and your integrity up to the light and say is this real am i doing this for the right reasons or if you're doing it because you weren't going to affiliate any this is really really like deep kind of very um controversial stuff i realize i'm talking about probably putting myself right out there to be given so much shit by people but i'm questioning it. i'm not making accusations oh, yeah. i'm questioning it's a conversation is this is talking um, points yeah I hear what you're saying. I I wonder if one or two 
uh, gyms, not necessarily deliberately, but consciously or unconsciously used the apparently racist treats, uh, uh, tweets and the BLM movement as an excuse to not affiliate. And if they did, white privilege. Yeah. Is there an underlying unhappiness that has been there amongst the gym owners and affiliations since the changes of losing regionals? Um, <laughs> you know that that, yeah. that that route to the games and what it means and the whole introduction of crossfit health and what they would their yeah. agenda it's an underlying Getting rid of all the memes yeah absolutely i completely agree with you there tom people were already really pissed off um and it, it was kind of like the final straw and you know to, to say that it was, you know, maybe an excuse for some people is quite harsh, but maybe the final straw, but actually, you know, it sh should that have been the thing that made them like, should we all, myself included, have noticed actually the lack of diversity within our gyms and addressed that sooner? Like, I know, I know for me, um, I run the, the CrossFit Kids program at CrossFit Colchester. I've only ever had um, two black children who have been members. I've now got three um, completely new ones. So five over a two-year period compared to the 50-odd kids that I've had over that two-year period. Yeah. That's mostly um, unbalanced to the diversity within uh, the area that we live. No, now, is that me? I'm not marketing it to the right people. Am I not? Is it, most of my marketing goes out to the gym members. Am I missing a trick there? Are my prices too expensive for certain children who maybe come from backgrounds where they can't afford it? Um, or is it because every time they see a picture of all my children, they're doing fitness with me, there's only one black child and they don't want to be the only black child in the room? I think it's, we when, have to constantly question yeah, this. I think the George Floyd thing has got us thinking differently and i um i too hadn't really identified it as as a big issue in my life and it never really crossed my thoughts too much and but when it happened i wanted to i had to take stock for a while i didn't remain silent but i waited a week to really think about it and i put up on my instagram more of a diagram about how to become anti-racist and it was fear zone learning zone and growth zone and i'm in the learning zone i was um reading articles i was watching that 13th documentary on on netflix and um i'll share that diagram as well because i just posted that because people yeah. were articulating some really great stuff but for me like visually it was like okay how do i break into the growth zone how do i get involved with movements that i didn't even know were aware of and how do i make um you know the the projects I'm involved with more inclusive and uh, you know it's about learning and, and staying out of the fear and just like put, burying your head in the sand and being like oh this is an issue and you know um it's You're afraid to speak out earlier, that growth, the growth zone you know growth mindset um so yeah. well, very afraid to say something uh speak about racism for fear of actually what they say being um being wrong even though it's coming from a good place and they're not meaning to um often what they say can be uh, misconstrued or deemed racist by somebody else so elijah muhammad uh, described it so perfectly in a podcast he did with make pods great again he says it's like um speaking out about racism is like learning to snatch first time you do it you're shit yeah <laughs> and you might get it wrong 
you might move yeah. in all the wrong different and that's people okay. looking at you. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. But by not trying and not engaging with it and just ignoring it, you're you're not helping anyone nor yourself. Exactly. The fear of being called, wanting to be involved in the drama, and it's nothing about that at all. Well, hopefully, it will become more inclusive. Um, it, it will reach a, a, you know further ethnic minorities, and there'll be positive changes. Um, so, sort of moving out of the CrossFit world, I've. I kind of we're kind of transitioning towards the, the latter stage of the podcast um and there's some kind of like i guess quick fire kind of stuff that we can tease out of you for people to take away um and i'd love to know uh any sort of daily routines or practices that you cannot live without any tips tricks hacks things that we can check out love to hear your top five three let's go okay so top five things that I have to do every day for me. So I start my, <laughs> I start my day every morning. I put my, I put my radio on. I love to listen to breakfast radio. Reminds me of the drive to school um, in the car and just being at home. It's just something I always, I've always done. And it's kept me connected with my drive to work, going to the box. I'm just putting it on in the morning and I wake up. Um, and I wake up to a light clock. So the light gets gradually gradually lighter although we don't actually have blackout blinds in the bedroom so that happens anyway so always waking up to sunlight and listening to my radio switch on Colin the coffee machine and I take a three to five minute cold shower so I put my my face stuff on I stand underneath the shower I put my timer on and the only reason I put a timer on is because I have a tendency to stay in there too long and then I just get too cold <laughs> I can't warm up again three two one yeah, I turn it all the way around to the cold. So three, two, one, go. I turn it on, it hits my face. And I will, I'll have a good three to five minutes in that shower, try and practice on my breathing, um, repeat my um, mantra in my head about my body, um, try and think about things I'm going to be grateful for that day, you know I have a life of abundance. Um, and that kind of really sets me up. And we wake up in the morning and it's quite, so most people are in quite a sympathetic state. Like people reach for their phones, they look, immediately open Instagram is the first thing. Like literally open your phone Instagram. I don't have any of my social media apps as like quick find on my phone. I have to go into a folder to find them. You turn the badges off so as I well. Notif- do you turn notifications yeah, no, off? I- yeah. yeah, I'm not on all of my apps, but on, on a lot of them I do, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, they reach for their phone and they go into this immediate sympathetic state. I mean, our cortisol heightens in the morning anyway. It's what wakes us up. But um, that kind of sets you up for the rest of the day. So I try and not open Instagram until I've at least kind of sat down, have my coffee, have my breakfast. Um, another thing I can't live without at the moment, I'm having about three cold showers a day and a paddling pool. So, um, <laughs> um, so I have a completely um, plant-based diet. I'm completely vegan, vegan for the animals first, then the planet, then myself in that order. Um, so uh, every day I will have a really, I'll make a really nice big, um, and normal people who are vegan and not professional training athletes don't need as much protein as I'm trying to get into myself. Um, Is it hard to get so, protein that you require with being on plant-based diet? Is there some good uh, products out there now? Well, plants obviously have protein, of but 
Um, but my protein do a fantastic vegan blend protein. So it's got rice protein and pea protein in it. And so the two things together give us the uh, range of branch chain amino acids that we need. That's the problem with some people on a plant-based diet. So you need to marry foods up to get the full um, spectrum of amino acids. I mean, animal products have them in there because it's already been made from those plants that they've eaten. So it's like, they're like a middleman as it were. Um, but we've done it in, we've done it instinctively for years, like rice and peas, toast and peanut butter, those kinds of things we put together. And that actually makes, so you've got like A, C and E and over here you've got B and D and then they come together. So that's the, how you, you make it. Um, so I'll always, I'll make a big bottle of shake, but I've got it, <laughs> got it right here. And I will have this throughout the day because I can't, I can't get one into me in one setting really like it's quite filling just one of um, those so I'll have it to get through that throughout the day that one I've put two and a half scoops of protein in that um it's about 90 grams of protein equates to about 70 grams of uh protein in there so 90 grams of powder um and I'm you know I'm at about 145 to 150 a day at the moment so that that and some tempeh and some tofu and I'm good to go um so i'll always always have um, a big shake but i make it really nice with like coconut flavoring or desiccated coconut in it nice, nice. coconut milk and stuff like that you know the, oat milk. the creamy oat milk lately it's been i've oh. i've swapped out um milk for oat milk the creamy like the barista one so good Oatly barista. Uh, so good so that's one of the other things i can't live without every day i will um call in the coffee machine has become a very good friend of mine and I find the process of making my morning coffee the espresso like weighing out the beans cleaning out the filter temperature all this kind of stuff grinding it tamping I find the whole process of that quite meditative and then when it comes out and it's just perfect it's bang on nice little creamy oat milk to make a flat white that's one of the things I can't live without at the moment so really like my morning routine sorry sorry carry on I'm just really intrigued. No, so I, I'm, I'm jumping the gun because I want to get a coffee machine and I need some advice on which one to get. So anyone out there, including myself, what, what, what do you recommend? <laughs> so I, um, we went for the Sage Barista. Um, Barista Express, I think it's called. Um, super simple little machine. It's got the grinder on one side uh, with different grind levels, zero to 20 on the grind setting. Um, a double or a single espresso shot. It's got the steamer, but we've actually got, I cheat. I've got a little milk steamer. Let's <laughs> like put the milk in yeah, press yeah. the button and it does it. <laughs> I have tried to do it with a yeah. thing, but I am just boiling it and burning myself because I'm one of the world's clumsiest people. Um, so that is is really really good. We've even got some proper little posh uh, bean scales now as well that gives us like the decimal points for the grammage. So I'm dark becoming art. an absolute. It is a, a an absolute dark art. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. So anything else? That, um, uh, any other little life hacks and things we can take away? So every night before I go to bed, without fail, I write in my little journal so i write down three good things and they can be anything i stroked a sheep i saw a bee i hit all my macros i, I got pooed on by a bird i got pooed on by a bird i got pooed on by a bird so three, three three good things um you know sometimes i'm like oh my god i've got so many things i can't write i can't just fit them into three and some days i really struggle some days my three like one of my things will be i got through today 
or I'm, I'm going to bed healthy. You know, I have four working limbs, a healthy mind and a belly full of food. Um, and then I'll write down three things I'm grateful for. So again, can be really simple, can be really big. Um, it's always, you know, pretty much something like a life of abundance, the sun in the sky, um, a healthy body, the capacity to train, my wonderful partner, my lovely family. Um, but it just helps you to, no matter what's happened, because often people say, oh, I've had a terrible day, I've had a bad day. And like, have you had a bad day? Or was there a five minute part of your day that was so bad that it's made you fixate on it completely and, and ignore the other 23 hours and 55 minutes that you've had? So by just doing that, it allows me to almost, like, like after my sessions, it allows me to deload my day and um, kind of put it, put it to sleep. Love that. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks. Other than that, I always move in some capacity. Even if it's chucking it down with rain outside and it's a rest day, I will still move. It might just be I go for a low, slow run. Like I'm, th I'm talking really small, like two kilometers in the rain in my heart rate in zone two just to move or I'll do some yoga like some flow yoga just to feel my body move for me is to feel alive you I will never have... forget try yoga nidra if you've never come across it it's like a yoga spot. nidra yoga nidra they do a real nice meditation and breath work at the end so check that out Ooh. really really nice all right again sh show notes that because that's gonna be a good notes. reference for me yoga nidra <laughs> And then I, you can now continue your flow because I've in, interrupted you one too many times so far. Not, not at all, not at all. Um, I, can't, I can't remember what I was going to yeah, say. Cut you off. Well, it was. <laughs> no, it's all right. It was definitely I struggle to it. like stay on. It was definitely worth it. <laughs> it's so hard over Zoom. I think there's, I think there's a delay there's, sometimes. Well, I think talking. in ways it's fun. It's interesting point you say that because. We've kind of, although Zoom's great and it's become our new norm in ways, we've kind of accelerated into it. I think this whole digital age thing was coming, but we've accelerated into this kind of online platform. But there's still this slight coloring of time and space where you can't quite perhaps get the cue or the screen lags a bit. And I think it goes back to what they say in Lost Connections about can't be human interaction one on one and being in the room with somebody. And it's nice that we've now got this opportunity albeit it may be not the right direction we all thought it would be, but we're going to start being exposed to people again. So, um, yeah. I feeling hope, yeah. their energy, like as a, on a face to face thing, being near them, feeling that aura, that, that vibe that they, I hate that word, but that, that is the, it's the right word for it, that vibe that they bring. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So, we're getting towards the end now and I'd love to know if there's any quotes or words of wisdom that you particularly live your life by or we can take away. As cheesy so, as I may be. No, the, the biggest one that forever resonates with me and everything that I do, work, life, business, being an athlete, relationships, is never make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions because emotions are transient they come and they go they come into you you feel the emotion hit you like you know you get that feeling like when somebody gives you butterflies it's a sensation and it comes and it goes like a big wave and goes anger you get that, you let the anger out and it goes 
jealousy, you get that pang. They all come into you in ways where they travel out of you. I try to imagine emotion like waves and they have colors. Obviously they have colors. So it comes in, it hits me and I want to react and I'm meant to make a decision and something so big like I'm affiliating your gym, for example, or quitting CrossFit because all this emotion that I'm having. But it's temporary and it will flow out of me and it will process. And my mum always told me, like, if anything ever happens, like, count 72 hours and then reply. It just gives you that time to think about something. You can acknowledge it. You can say, thank you for your email. I have, I've acknowledged what you've sent me. Um, what I want to do is gather my thoughts and reply to you properly in a collective manner, for example. Like she's always taught me to do that. But never make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. And I can quote Emma for teaching me that. Um, I love that. That, nice way. that is brilliant. And um, I've not heard that one before. And I do like a good quote. Um, so thank yeah. you. That's that's lovely. Um, oh, pleasure. The last question is, and you may have answered it with your radio morning routine, but is there any particular guilty pleasure or habit that we may not know about you? I really love lemon and lime sparkling water. Is that a bad habit? Not at no, all. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a guilty pleasure. No, that's oh, good. No, I mean, no, I mean, that's good. That, okay. that, that is good. Like, I've been putting um, a fruit tea bag in fizzy water and it's like Rio. So there's a life hack for you all. You know those like, infusions? Yeah. Put those in a fizzy water and it's like low-cal Rio. I'm, I'm trying to get us to have a soda stream, but it's been, no, we haven't got room for a soda stream at the moment because I don't like getting plastic. I always, I make um, eco bricks and recycle, yeah. I recycle everything. I separate, I separate clothing tags down to the tiny compartment, like composite parts. But no, my biggest, my biggest guilty pleasure is musical theatre. I will happily, when I go on for a long run, like a 10, 12K run, I'll put in a musical and listen to it from start to finish and um, lose myself in a story. Love That's it. Nice. So that's a great yeah. that's a great little um, guilty pleasure okay yeah, so um i always ask the guests at the end of the podcast i run um on spotify a music playlist channel i suppose um get a grip music and i always ask the guests for a fire up track so something that's going to get you pumped up for a workout a run and then a chill out maybe like a sunday night chill so what's your fire up track and what's your chill out track? Probably the hardest question of the whole. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my biggest fire up track is probably going to be Queen. Okay. Um, now anyone would say, oh, any Queen track gets you going, Emily. I'm the world's like Freddie Mercury is my um, alter ego. Like I say, I like, think like Freddie as well, because um, he just would go out and get anything. So I'm obsessed with Queen. But to really get me going, we're probably going to be um, We'll Rock You. Classic. Just, just, right. just the. I love it. That's it just, I just hear that. that. And I feel it in my soul. I'm like, <laughs> iconic. Everyone knows. <laughs> And what's your Definitely. chill out? What's your chill out? Just to wind down. Oh. Um, I'm really into Radiohead. 
So probably something like Radiohead Weird Fishes would okay. be quite nice. They are phenomenal live. If you ever get the opportunity to see them live, go and just, yeah, take, don't, don't take your sunglasses and just watch it with your eyes wide open. It's phenomenal. Brilliant. So I'll add those to the playlist. It's Get A Grip Music. It's a lovely way of me remembering the guests and the conversation I've had and also anyone want to get fired up or anyone want to chill out. Everyone's winning. Um, so Perfect. That, that is the end of the podcast. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your views and your journey and being so open and honest. And it's all about inspiring that one person. So thank you for your time. And I wish you all the best with your um, competition and your your CrossFit moving in as we go back to the normal world. And have a brilliant weekend. Thank you so much. It's been quite cathartic, actually, to speak to you as well. And it's been um, very therapeutic. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to kind of voice these things and be... Everyone wants to be heard, don't they? Everyone wants to feel heard. So thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. Cheers.